Good morning saunterers, welcome to a beautiful sunny day here in Weymouth and we are sauntering in the book of Hebrews today. What an amazing book this is, it is truly, a, wow, it's truly a monumental book. I say that probably about every book we look at, but here we go, we're in chapter 4 today and we're having a bit of a history lesson um, by the writer to the Hebrews, he's or she <laughs> is writing about um, the history of the Jewish people and drawing lessons that should instruct them and us in our current situation. So we're going to pray. Good morning, Fran. God bless you. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you today to open up this word to us, make it live to us, and Lord, let it be living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword in our hearts today. In Jesus' phenomenal name. Amen. So chapter four, we were having a, a bit of a look at some of Israel's history and we saw that there was a time of rebellion in the wilderness when the people um, tested God and the result of their unbelief and disobedience and so on was that they missed this incredible opportunity to go into the promised land and take possession of it. And so because they hardened their hearts and the word of God, um, they when they heard the word of God, they didn't respond, but they hardened their hearts. And so this will keep us outside of God's promises if we harden our hearts and get into unbelief. <coughs> Excuse me. So chapter four, then he says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, this is incredible because this is precisely the information we need. So we're reading this book and we realize actually these promises are still alive and well and available to us today. And so here's the really active word that we're going to see in the course of this chapter. It's today. While the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. And that's a really interesting um, word to find there because we hear a lot of teaching about perfect love casts out fear and, you know, we can approach God with boldness, without fear. But there's this sense of actually we should be afraid to miss this incredible opportunity to enter God's rest. And we're going to have a look and see what that rest actually looks like throughout the chapter. So it's not that we're terrified of God and we're terrified of approaching him and all that kind of thing. But it is there is this sense of we really should be fearful to miss this opportunity of entering his rest. As as we said in a previous chapter, um, that there is this is the this is God's plan A and there is no plan B. Good morning, Ingrid. Good morning, Fliss. Great to see you guys. And so verse two, it says, For good news came to us just as to them. So he's really underlining that this promise of entering God's rest is available to us. And he's saying good news came to us just as to them. We use the term gospel to um, wrap up this idea of good news. Is Gospel simply means good news. For good news or the gospel came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them 
because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Or other translations say they didn't, the word wasn't any help to them because they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't receive it with faith when they heard it. So they weren't, there wasn't this agreement amongst them all of faith when they heard the message. Actually, their hearts were so conditioned by 400 years of slavery that they kind of just saw it as another dumb way to die. This opportunity to go into the land, they saw the the, um, giants and the iron chariots and they heard this these reports from the 10 spies who brought a negative report and they went with that rather than the incredible faith-filled message that Joshua and Caleb brought which was yes yeah, sure there are giants there but we can we can do it we can enter this land we can take hold of God's promises and you should see the land I mean goodness sake is worth tackling a few giants for if we could just get over ourselves and get in it um and but they wouldn't they didn't they responded in this kind of unbelief kind of oh we can't do it we're gonna die our children get eaten by the giants etc etc verse three for we who have believed enter that rest as he has said as i swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest this again is a quote from the psalm that he's already mentioned although his works were finished from the foundation of the world for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way and god rested on the seventh day from all his works and again in this passage that we're talking about he says and again in this passage he said they shall not enter my rest right let's just think a little bit about what he's trying to say he's saying actually there is this big rest this super rest this ultimate rest that god has entered into so when god created the world we know he did it in seven days but on the seventh day he did nothing he rested from his work and the writer to the hebrews is saying this is what the promise of entering god's rest is all about so what if you think about the seventh day the sabbath day which became a symbolic reminder and a Uh, We'll talk a bit about that as well. But it became this incredible reminder that God has finished. God did all the hard work. And the same is true about Jesus dying on the cross to pay for all of our sins. God has done all the hard work. And so this picture of the Sabbath rest is really one where Adam and Eve just began to enjoy this life on this beautiful in this beautiful garden that God had made for them and he'd made provision everything was good in this garden it was idyllic and God was there and he was walking with them he wasn't working he was walking with them interacting with them incredible and so all they had to do was enjoy it and now the writer to the Hebrews is saying something of the same order has happened that brings you and me back into the rest of God, into God's rest where he is rested and we're rested. And we'll see what that looks like as we go on. So he says, on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And now we're seeing that because of unbelief, because they hardened their hearts, the people were not able to enter his rest. 
So the promised land, the land of Canaan, with the giants and stuff, didn't look particularly restful for them, although the grapes and the fruit and everything of it that they'd found in it were incredible and really desirable, yet there was something that had to be done. They had to somehow kind of gear themselves up for a conflict, strangely, to enter into this rest. They had to do something by faith. They were going to have to engage with this promise by faith. It wasn't just going to plop. There they were, transported into this land. They actually had to go into it and take possession of it. Good morning, Joyce and Joan. Great to see you. And so, Oh, there's a there's this kind of paradoxical thing going on here where there is something that has to be done and yet nothing has to be done as well. It's like God has done all the hard work, but there's a response required from us and that is a step. It is an action. It's a step of faith. It's not just we're transported into it just by having wafty thoughts. Right, here we go. Verse 6. Since therefore... It remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today, capital T, today, saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts so when what is god when is god's offer available to us it's not available we can't have yesterday again and we don't know if we're going to have tomorrow but we do have today and this is where the offer stands so the offer to enter god's rest stands today it's here available today so whoever's listening to me whether you're listening on the same day as I'm speaking, or whether it's sometime in the future, if you're listening, that means you have today, doesn't it? It means we have today. So this is the whole point. This is the point of what the writer is saying. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Let's not get so lost in the detail of what the rest looks like and miss the point of the message, which is today, and he keeps repeating it, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So that is true for us when we first believe and we first surrender our lives to Jesus and we first take hold of his offer of rest and forgiveness and all this kind of thing. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me um, and you will find rest for your souls, and so on and so on. Uh, Jesus is making this offer today, and it still stands today, whilst we have a day called today. And so he's saying, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. But once we have believed, once we have started out on that journey with him, once we are, in a sense, as it, as it were, living in the promised land, there's still a choice for us to keep our hearts open and to keep our hearts tender to him so that we can hear his voice and not harden our hearts today. So even as a signed up, born again believer, filled with the spirit of God, we still, it seems, have the opportunity to allow our hearts to grow hard towards God and to switch off and close down 
and just become dull. And so what happens then is we still miss the opportunity to enjoy the rest of God and all that he's offering us. Good morning, Susan. Great to see you. And so so he says, verse six, since therefore it remains for some to enter it and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day. So even... It's really interesting because even if we've missed opportunities to enter into God's rest previously, whilst today stands, there is still an opportunity for us to enter into his rest. And so even if we heard the good news, we heard that message, we thought, ah, I don't, ah, whatever, I don't think it's for me. I can't do it. I'm not going there. Actually, do you know what? The door is still open. The opportunity is still open. And isn't it incredible he still has this day as long as today is a day we have an opportunity to enter into his rest which is phenomenal but here's the thing they failed to enter because of disobedience we've been talking about unbelief but actually unbelief and disobedience are so connected and they they one leads to the other whether it's whichever way round we're doing it so if we step over the line and start to disobey god we will actually fall into unbelief our heart will grow dull but if we fall into unbelief and our hearts grow dull disobedience seems to be an easy thing to do and so we find that we're living in a way that god has not actually blessed for us and is not chosen for us and we're going against what he wants for us right so again he's picking he's kind of really going for this psalm and he's really underlining it he's trying to make a point by repetition Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So today, if you're hearing God nudging you or stirring you or speaking to you, let's be obedient to it. Let's get on with it and do it today because actually this opens up the rest of God. It's like we enter into his rest. When we start to just obey his voice and hear his voice, we come into that rest. And so it's, it's interesting. Entering his rest is not a passive thing it's it's a it's a ah it requires us to actually say yeah i'm i'm on this i'm going for this jesus here i come and so but but trusting that god has done the hard work so jesus did the hard work jesus did paid your debt my debt on the cross so that actually we don't need to try to strive to prove our righteousness or our worthiness or that we're good enough or we don't have to be the best we don't have to strive to be anything because actually Jesus has done the work that makes us pleasing and acceptable to God because he's wiped out all of our sin he's cancelled all the debt good morning Pat and Deepak and Mike for here we go then verse 8 so back to history for if Joshua had given them rest God would not have spoken of another day later on so Joshua same name as Jesus coincidentally not it means the Lord is my salvation they both had the same name Jesus was Yeshua Joshua was Yeshua um, and for if Joshua had given them rest God would not have spoken of another day later on. So what he's saying is that the psalmist, David, writing this psalm, was writing it many years after Joshua 
went into the promised land with the people who did believe and did believe God's promises. But actually what he's saying is Josh didn't actually give you the proper rest. The promised land wasn't the actual deal. The promised land, however good, with milk and honey and big grapes and wonderful big houses and everything else and all the opportunities that it provided, it wasn't actually the real deal. It was a shadow. It was something pointing towards the real rest of God, which is something that the second Joshua, Jesus, actually does give us so if joshua had given them rest verse 8 god would not have spoken of another day later on so the psalm wouldn't have been necessary to have been written verse 9 so then there remains a sabbath rest for the people of god for whoever has entered god's rest has also rested from his works as god did from his wow now, in the Old Testament, the Sabbath, the, excuse me, the Sabbath was not an optional extra. It was part of the law and there were severe punishments, which we read of, for people who broke the Sabbath. So the idea was that on the Sabbath, the whole nation rested. Nobody did any work. And there were, there were some restrictions about what you could and couldn't do. And of course, in true Jewish rabbinical style, it became more and more complicated as time went on. And the details became more and more um, intricate and tiny, like turning on a light was lighting a fire and this kind of thing. So it's kind of like lost some of its significance and became this complicated thing. Jesus was walking through a field with his disciples and... They were picking the grains of corn and rubbing them in their hands and chewing on them like probably any country person has done. Um, and the grain of wheat and nut, that's lovely, that lovely nutty taste. And they were kind of having a little snack as they walked along. A very minimal kind of snack. But the, the um, priests and so on were upset because to them it amounted to work. And Jesus said, actually, you need to understand something that... The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So it's also true of all God's laws, really, I suppose, is that actually God made them for us. God made them to bless us. The, the law of having a day's rest was to bless them and to actually enable them to stop. Because working in an agrarian culture as they did, was pretty hard work and it was grafting all the way through. And if you were a slave or somebody of poor status, you know, this to actually actually have a day off was pretty amazing. And so, but also there was a bigger message than just having a day off. And the idea is this, that, and it's the same with tithing, and that is that you don't need to work seven days a week for God's provision because he loves you and actually if you will trust him he will provide for you seven days a week even if you're only working six and the same is true with tithing the idea is if you give God 10% you can trust him that even though you've only got 90% left for you actually by his miraculous kindness and provision he's going to provide for you and he'll go beyond 100% and give you more because that's just the kind of God he is and so what God was doing with the Sabbath law was saying listen there is a rest that's ultimately coming that this is a picture of but in the meantime I want you to understand 
that actually slaving away seven days a week is not my choice for you. That's not my best for you. I want you to learn how to rest and trust me and let me be the sufficient one. Let me be the one who is the source of your supply. So when the manna came and it came only came six days a week and on the sixth day, if they kept some of it over, they had enough for the seventh day and so on. So the so the 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 Sabbath was a powerful picture, but what he's saying here is <clears throat> so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That doesn't mean that we all just stop work and we say, oh, I'm one of the people of God, I don't need to go to work because I live in this Sabbath rest. Woohoo! Nice for me. No, what he's saying is actually we rest from our work as God did from his. We 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 settle back into that sense of our true identity as sons and daughters of God, where we're not striving and working hard to prove our validity or our our righteousness or our goodness or our worthiness or our good enoughness. But actually, we settle back into that and we just know that we're loved, that we're accepted, we're part of his incredible family, we're part of his covenant people, and we can rest from trying to be something and trying to be somebody and trying to prove something and trying to be good enough for God because actually Jesus has done all the hard work. Good morning, Ruth and Chris. So verse 11, he says... <laughs> And here we have another paradox, which is probably an oxymoron. Let us, therefore, strive to enter that rest. It just seems like, hold on, we're just now completely shooting down what we've just said. Let us, therefore, strive to enter that rest. Listen to what he says. So that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Now, the word there for strive is to make every effort to really go with speed to go at it with energy so what are we what are we striving to do let us strive to enter that rest let's while it's today and here's the thing this we, we've got to get our understanding why does he keep saying today it's because he's trying to make an urgent point he's saying listen today is the day of opportunity the bible says somewhere else that today is the day of salvation Today is a day of opportunity. Let us take that opportunity, go in and receive this incredible gift of God's rest. So we're using some energy. We're responding. We're saying, yes, Lord, here I come. Thank you, God. Let it count for me. Whoa. So it's not like we're striving to prove ourselves, but we're striving to get to that free gift that God is giving us. We're, we're making it our priority to get hold of that free gift that God has given us through Jesus, that gift of his grace and his kindness to take hold of it. Right, we're not leaving it until we're not into this sort of doldrums type of thinking where, oh, another day, I'll do it another day. Oh man, I was talking to a guy the other day and he was so ready, it seemed to me, to receive Jesus. And yet we'd run out of time, we couldn't really do it then, so I'd arrange to meet him the next day. The next day he was off his face, drunk, really badly drunk. Since that time he has been really, really ill 
drinking really heavily all the time and I kind of wish I just said look let's just do it now today's the day let's not put it off we can't miss this moment Jesus is offering us his rest today he's offering us to come into his family today if you never said Jesus make me part of your family let what you did on the cross count for me let all of my sins be forgiven let me enter your rest let me no longer have to try and do it myself and try and be good enough myself if you've never done that please do it today today is the day of opportunity right here we go verse 12 for the word of god is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart wow so when this this book god's word the the written word of god it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword so when we read it it comes to life because the spirit who um inspired it to be written is living he's alive and, and it's like whoa when we begin to engage with this word of god it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword it's the most controversial book ever written it's the most challenging book ever written it calls us to leave behind our lives of sin and death and come into life but actually it talks about a whole load of things that aren't very popular with, with people called like repentance, changing our minds, turning around, changing the way we live. And he's saying this book will actually, and the word of God, when it's preached and, and delivered, it will cut between the soul and the spirit. It makes that distinction between what is just natural and what is of God himself. And so it it and it reveals the intentions of our hearts. It's amazing, isn't it? Verse fourteen. Since then, oh yeah, I mean the classic story: guy in prison, and he's um, he's got a Gideon Bible, one of the free ones, and he's tearing it up and using it to make roll-ups, and he's smoking his way through the Bible. <laughs> which is one way of getting through it I suppose but when he gets to the gospel of John he thinks I wonder what this book actually is talking about so he starts to read it <clears throat> finds Jesus gives his life to Jesus becomes a disciple of Jesus and ends up being an evangelist preaching the gospel to loads and loads of people and so the book is live the word of God is living and active it's not a book it's a living word so verse 14 then, since, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast, again we've got that thing of holding fast to our confession, holding fast to our confidence. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Right, real quick. Grace just means gift. It's God's kindness, his favour, which we don't deserve. It's just by because of his nature. It comes to us because of who he is. It's the 
His nature is grace. So he's saying, right, we have this high priest. So when we come to God, we don't come trying to be good enough, but we've got this incredible high priest, Jesus, who is has passed through the heavens. He's made a way into the very most holy place of God, where God God's rest is. No one's busy striving in heaven. They're all at rest because God is at rest. And this high priest Jesus is one who's able to sympathise with our weaknesses and empathise with us. It's not that he makes a special allowance because we're sinful, but he knows what it's like to be one of us. And he is there as our priest, praying and interceding for us, talking to God the Father about us, pleading our case, if you like. He's, do, he's done the hard work. He's still praying for you and me before the throne of God, even today. So therefore, verse 16 is the one. This beautiful, beautiful scripture. Let us then with confidence or with boldness draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's incredible kindness and gift and willingness to receive us, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Whatever situation you and me are in, whatever time of need we face, this is God's promise. Let us then with confidence, with boldness. What is our boldness based in? is based in the grace of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, the high priestliness of Jesus it is based in him and his incredible goodness and the fact that he has paid the price that grants you and I access to the very rest of God, that very place of peace and rest where God is not our enemy, but he's our father, where we come to him with boldness and confidence isn't that incredible this is the promise and so let us when we hear his voice let us not harden our hearts so today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts come with boldness and say i'm here because jesus has invited me i've come because jesus says come have an amazing day god bless you